tomorrow, sports fans. You're in the group chat. The Texans still have one win, and the Texans are still trying to run the ball with David Johnson unsuccessfully. And that's what we're talking about amongst many other things today on the podcast. My God, can they stop giving the ball to that guy, please? 31 is a net negative almost every time he touches the ball, and then he got some late garbage runs and some late garbage catches to up his like overall status, his overall totals. But there were so many plays that was just it was just a huge net negative. The offensive style with the rushing attack, we talked about it last week, Mike. Yep. I, I, I got no idea what they're doing running the football. Well, what I don't understand specifically is when the Texans get the ball at 28-13 down in the fourth quarter when they had forced another three and out from Green Bay. And with they nine were minutes somehow, left. Yeah, nine minutes to go. And they ran it once, and Jonathan Vilma on the broadcast was, said something like, well, you know, there's enough time left to where you're going to mix in some runs. Then they ran it again. And this was the drive that ended in the Deshaun run for 14, then the option play. I don't even blame the option play. That's fine. He just didn't execute. He actually should have tossed it, but whatever. How in that possession did they think it was a good idea to run the ball twice? Like, run the ball once? Okay, I'll, like, criticize that and live with it. How do they think it's a good idea to run the ball twice at at that moment? How? Nine of David Johnson's 14 carries, and this is uh, per Aaron Reese of The Athletic. They were on first down. You subtract that one 13-yard run. And he averaged two yards per carry on the other eight rushing attempts. I think this week, if you just look at what happened on the field, and I'm sure we'll get into like the the, the extra stuff and, and the obvious questions that are looming after this loss, I think this week was just a reminder to something that we already knew, but maybe we kind of forgot the last two weeks. Tim Kelly did follow Bill O'Brien around for 10 years. Like he followed him around for 10 years, and that's the only coach that he's ever coached under. So, as much as, you know, it's looked better the last couple of weeks, and I still think it's better without King Bill in the building, Tim Kelly did follow him around. And schematically, from a systematic standpoint, and all that, the, the, the problems that you had with King Bill, they don't necessarily leave because his stench is still around. It's in the form of the guy that followed him around and basically ran PowerPoints for him for 10 years. I mean, you look at the drive coming out of halftime. The four design runs went for seven total yards. Yeah. The rest of it was Deshaun scrambling, passing, and then they got the, the penalty for 15 yards. It, it, your point, Landry, I had a buddy text me, Tim Kelly sure looks like a guy that coached under Bill O'Brien and learned how to call plays for Ten Bill years. O'Brien. Yeah, that's exactly the situation. He just hasn't broke out of a lot of those bad habits, and maybe he just doesn't know how to. Maybe he was never taught to how, how should to. should he? Yeah, because he, Bill O'Brien was you know, his mentor for all these years. So, that, I mean, they just, they just are hurting themselves by not – and I know you can't just throw the ball every down, but they're hurting themselves in some of the situations they decide well, to run let, the football. Let me throw out a theory here. I'm going to be the one guy who's not going to criticize Tim Kelly much I think it's much more of a personnel thing than it is a scheme thing. I think the scheme has some issues, like I mentioned the two runs. I also think that when you look at the scheme, they were not able to really get the ball down the field today. Like every, like Basically, everything was underneath. But as I said last week, they would be better off if David Johnson tore up his knee and, and was out for the season. Like I'm not saying I'm rooting for that. I'm not, because he's an actual like real-life human being. I get that. But sometimes a team gets better when guys get injured or have to leave for some reason. This team would be better off if David Johnson wasn't on the team. Like, they'd be better off if he wasn't there. And I think him being there is actively hurt. Like, if he didn't exist, they would be better off as an offense. That's how I feel. As far as what you're saying there, I don't disagree because I still think there is like a comfort level with running with David Johnson on first down that I don't think they would have with Duke. I don't think if Duke Johnson were out there, they would have that comfort level. And I I get what you're saying there, uh, but... 
I also want to kind of bring it back to the defense. And I know a lot of people are going to criticize the defense and talk about how bad the defense uh, is. And my question for the people that are going to criticize the defense, what the F do you expect from this defense? Based on the guys that they've let leave the last couple off seasons, based on the resources that they've handed out on defense, what do you expect? The defense, honestly, to me, more times than not this year, based on expectations that I have for them, They've actually played good enough to win. And I think they played good enough to win against Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay averages 396 yards per game. They had 379 on Sunday. Uh, they averaged 32 points per game. They had 35, and you gave them a short field on one of them. I think the defense has been as good as you could expect it to be with Anthony Weaver in the offense, schematically or whatever it is, personnel, however you want to say it, has been the issue. The defense, I don't expect much from them. But they were fine for, for, for based on my expectations. And the other thing, Mike, I heard you say this, Meltz. I think you talked about this too, Stutes, when we were on the phone. Uh, Eric Murray lining up on Devontae Adams. I mean, what is that? I, well, I mean, it stinks, but, 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 but you lose Bradley Roby on the first series. Yep. He was going to shadow. The whole time. Uh, Adams the whole time. Yeah. I think you could almost make a case that Eric Murray's the best corner on this team right now. That I, sucks. Well, I, I, and it's embarrassing. I, I, but I, I think you can make a case. He's, he's better he, than Hargraves. He's better than Hargraves. He's better than Gaines. I don't think he is better that's than those bad, guys. That's how bad this secondary think, is. That I think that Eric Murray, I, I think that Eric Murray, who got beat out by Philip Gaines somehow in Kansas City, who's <laughs> playing more corner than safety right now. You're laughing. I honestly think a case can be made that this roster is so well, crappy and this secondary is so bad, he might be the best corner on the team. Well, I, I disagree with you guys about that, but this is the part that's indefensible. You can't have you can't have him lined up on press man coverage on Adams who's in the slot with nobody to help in that situation. Like that's their best no, offensive player. No, but that was player. Justin Reed. But that's Justin Reed. That wasn't schematic. Jonathan Vilma even called it out. Okay, so he Justin said. Reed. Okay, so there, it was there were a fault. couple times where Justin Reed on third down. There was there was one time at midfield, and I actually okay. tweeted it out where Justin Reed literally spins and takes off sprinting full speed. It was the one where uh, on the left side of the sidelines, uh, Adams caught it. Reed literally turns around and runs full speed for 25 yards and then comes back into the play and on the play that you're talking about the touchdown. Justin Reed's not even cheating over there he, he he's cheating over, over the, on the other side to the double tight inside to the double tight inside so okay, I so think okay, Jonathan so Vilma said it as well like that that's not necessarily schematic they're not telling Justin Reed to cheat over there that, that that's just as much of a Justin Reed thing and there was another play where Eric Murray was lined up 20 yard or 15 yards away from Adams on a screen I think it was third and 10 they threw the side screen yep. and um, I forgot who was blocking it Valdez Scantling, who doesn't block, like he can barely run routes. Valdez Scantling is literally blocking him to where he's basically giving him a massage. And uh, Eric Murray is basically just like acting like he's getting blocked by Gronk in his prime or something like that. And, and, and he's not giving maximum effort. I don't think it's schematic. I think it's players. Look, they, they lack the overall talent, certainly. I mean, Philip Gaines gets on the field and immediately gives up a touchdown in, in yep. what, back-to-back -back weeks? And that's happened now. Um, Roby goes down. And I, I don't know what his performance would have been against Devontae Adams. I but know he's not going for almost 200 yards if Bradley Roby's on the field. Yeah, it, it couldn't have been worse. It actually, in a weird way, showed Roby's value to the defense. I mean, <laughs> but, if like, you're, but if you're looking at this, and look, uh, look I, I'll agree with you on the, on, the, on the defensive issues on the talent side of things. But if you're looking at the Packers offense that is down Aaron Jones and 
the defense that had actually had a nice performance slowing down Jamal Williams for a decent portion of this game. You look at the situation with the Packers, you say, okay, they have one weapon. Don't let that guy beat us. Well, that's and the that thing. guy beat the snot out of them all yeah. day. That, like You've yes. watched for six years other teams try to take away DeAndre Hopkins with two dudes, and yet they continuously put one guy on Devontae Adams. That's I, unacceptable. I think that's the issue with Weaver. And Landry, I largely agree with that. I don't think that this is, oh, this is Weaver's fault. I think he's dealing from a limited deck here. No question about it. But in this specific game, I think it's fair to say, all right, Roby goes out. He's probably he's your second or third best defensive player. Probably your second best. He guy. might be your best. He might. Who knows? I mean, well, I mean, Zach Cunningham's been bad. Well, JJ's their best. Well, JJ's JJ. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at it, why not? I know this is simplified analysis. Why not just have two guys responsible for Adams on almost every single play? Like if the other guys beat you, which they probably would have, fine. But don't let Devontae Adams. I mean, this is. This is 16 targets for 13 catches, 196 and two scores. Like, did they, we could have put together that kind of game plan that led to those results. Did they throw the ball to Marquise Valdez-Scantling at all? Uh, did, like, not did, did he, he dropped it. He dropped it on third down. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, think was, I think right. it was the second Green Bay drive of the, of the second half. And then to, to not for Green Bay to not have their – and this is more to the talent thing, not necessarily the scheme thing. But for Green Bay to not have their franchise left tackle and you get one <laughs> QB hit – one quarterback hit, no sacks. One. Now, obviously, the Zach Cunningham whiff is not going to count oh as a quarterback gosh. hit. Yeah. And, but, and he gets close. But Rodgers makes a great play on that, so it doesn't matter wh- what you did to him because he made an amazing play. But you get one quarterback hit when their franchise left tackles down, that's unacceptable. I'm surprised. I was thinking about this driving over here. I'm actually probably naively surprised that they have not had a slightly better pass rush. Am I Why? off on that? Why? Based I, on what? I, I just thought between Amenahue and Martin and Blacklock that there was enough like talent Why? or ability. Hang on. I think there was enough talent and ability to have a little bit more than they've shown in the last like two weeks. Maybe, I don't know. maybe I'm off on that. I, I don't know. Amenahue, did I mention him? I think there's a massive. I think there's a massive problem in the inside of this front seven, and and I think it's actually impacting Zach Cunningham too. And, yes. And I and I feel like I feel like JJ's uh, getting beat on more because there's no DJ Reader to kind of soak it up. I feel like um, Zach Cunningham's getting beat up on more because there's no Bernardrick McKinney or DJ Reader to soak it up. And I, I just feel like the, the middle of this front seven, and let's be honest, this hasn't been on the leap front seven recently, but you got guys like Brandon Dunn and Carlos Watkins who've been backups here for a couple years. They're all of a sudden like playing significant downs, and God bless them. They're giving it everything they got, but it's just not enough to – to, to, to endure the pounding. Like, I think you can look at the stats and say, you know, DJ Reader and Bernardrick McKinney, they've, they, they kind of digressed. But I do think that those guys allowed guys like J.J. Watt and allowed guys like... Um, Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham to maybe not get beat up as much as it, feel, as it feels like they're getting beat up right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a defense right now that you're basically just hoping for. You're hoping for bend but don't break, that the other team like drops a pass on third down or, or something like that. Well, uh, you certainly can't shoot yourself in the foot with penalties to yeah, the, well, things like that to extend drives. Well, that first one, that first drop by Green Bay, you know, it's a three, and, a out. three and out. Yeah, like Whitney sacks uh, Rodgers, a nice play, and then all of a sudden it's like a random, I don't even know where the hell it was, illegal hands to the face penalty. You can't have that. They never that. showed the replay. They never showed the replay, which drives me insane. It's like, who's working for Fox? It's like, if you're watching the game, are you not interested in what the penalty was that led to that was the biggest play of the first drive? I mean, that drives that kind of stuff drives me nuts. And sidebar, quick sidebar about Fox. Vilma, pretty fun. Pretty fun pretty as a color guy. Pretty I, I would like Vilma commentating games that my team plays in going forward. Pretty good job. Pretty good job. I agree. I'm going to write about this for SI, and it's going to be up on the website. 
J.J. Watt's got to ask for a trade slash they've got to trade him. I, I, and I know we talked last week about, oh, okay, can you get this or that? And I know this week he said, as long as I'm in Houston, I want to try to win a championship. Deshaun saying nobody's uh, getting traded. Romeo says, I want to try to win with these guys. Yeah, that was all with the information that you had available this week. The information that you have available after this loss is J.J. Watt's got to ask for a trade and the Texans got to entertain that conversation. And I say he's got to ask for a trade because if he asks for it, it makes the whole conversation that the franchise has to have about one of the best players ever, and it makes that whole conversation a lot easier. And, by the way, I went back and read the interview. I went back and looked at this. Yes. His wife asked for a trade because she thought it was in the best interest of her career and it would have furthered her career by asking for a trade. And she even made the comment that Watt encouraged her to do that once she started thinking about it. Hmm. Well, if he's thinking about it, wow. I hope she returns the favor. Say that again, man. Uh, Watt's, that Watt, is interesting. J.J. Watt encouraged Kalia Ohai at the time his fiance, now his wife, yes. to ask for a trade because she believed a trade would have been in the best interest for her career to play on a different team from the Dash. Now, mind you, this is a young lady who is about to get married, who her three sisters all live within driving distance of their home. She's made a home with her fiancé. He's a legend in this town, and she decided that she wanted to go play on a different team for the betterment of her career. Yep. Why can't J.J. Watt have the same thought, the same idea, the same musings, and ask for a trade? And that makes the whole conversation for the franchise a little bit easier. Because then they don't have to do this whole thing of like, well, are we really willing to trade the biggest franchise icon in our history? And by I, the way, based on how he acted after the game today, yeah, he sounds he's dumb. not happy yeah. with what's going on on this team, and I don't see any reason I mean, why it's going to drastically change and make him happier. I just don't understand what the what the argument would be to not trade some of these guys because you're in a position where there's no first or second round pick next season, which puts you in a really difficult spot. You're not, like, maybe in a, in a good scenario, you're contending for a playoff spot next season. Who the heck knows? Uh, because you will have a good quarterback, which is the most important thing. But, like... If you look at where they are right now, you're you're trending towards a three and thirteen to five and eleven kind of season. I think they'll win some games here, but again, there are no picks. There's no salary cap space. They need to get as many assets as humanly possible. They don't have enough good young players on this team. And I know some people online are making a big deal about like, well, Jack Easterby was involved in these Bad O'Brien decisions. Fair enough, I get that, but like. Can someone explain to me why is it hard to sell players off of a team that is not in a good position? Like, all, all you have to do is call up all the other teams and see what the best offer is. It's not like you're giving up JJ for a five, because in that case, you're probably better off just keeping him and waiting until the offseason. Like, just see what the market is. There's no, there's no risk in upsetting anybody, because who really desperately wants to be here anyway? Like, what is hard about making these moves? To me, if Jack Easterby can't execute a trade this week, then he should never work in football again. Because... I don't think he should have ever worked in football outside of like motivational speeches or anything in the first place. But if you're going to tell me that this guy who was boombastic as hell uh, with all the offseason moves that people questioned, if you're going to tell me that this guy is all of the sudden going to going to going to go back to being your your executive vice president of football operations, but he can't execute a trade this week, you should never work in football again. Like you should never, you, you should never work in football outside of like some sort of like Joel Osteen type sermons or something <laughs> like that. You should not, you should not do that. So if he can't execute a trade this week, there's two reasons why. 
Number one, they don't trust him, which is a problem because you're going to keep him around in your front office. And number two, he's just chicken shit. And he does it and he wants to save face and he doesn't want to be the guy who trades JJ Watt or he doesn't want to be the guy who goes out there and does it. But if this guy truly thinks that he's going to be a part of this organization moving forward and Cal McNair truly believes that, then this guy needs to execute a trade and this guy needs to make a trade. He needs to make trades. If not, he doesn't need to work in football. And that's fine because I don't think he should anyways. But if you're going to keep this guy around to be an EVP of football operations yes. and he can't execute a trade this week, that is a joke. And for the record, he seems to be one of the few guys that's going to actually be on this franchise's organizational chart next year. We don't know how many people in the scouting department and the player development and all those different things are going to continue to be with the Houston Texans when there's a new general manager in here. So it would behoove him to try to improve this team's lie in 2021 by making a trade here at the deadline in 2020, yes. especially if he's going to still be around with this organization or he's going to try to walk into Cal McNair's office. Where's at the end he of the at, year. by the way? Where, where's, where, where's this guy at? Like, I mean, like he was like, physically, he was boombastic. He was like talking about <laughs> trades. He was talking about mentoring. He was like all front and center all of a sudden. And I haven't, I haven't heard anything from him. I haven't heard, like maybe they want to hide him. Do which we is need fine, to? But dude, he's the interim GM. Act like an interim GM. If they don't make a trade this week, that that's as incompetent as the hot. Hopkins trade even even if it's just as simple even if it's as simple as Kenny Stills for a seventh he's not he's not a part of this thing yes I would rather see what Kiki QT has just to see like or, maybe Kiki QT can get some value yeah, that's like, fair even if fifth it, rounder when he shows up it's fine man like even if it like even if you just got to trade Kenny Stills for a seventh even if you just got to like trade who like wh whatever trade you make I need one trade executed by you because this is a perfect time to trade you're the interim GM you're supposed you're supposed to like oversee football operations just figure Figure it out, Jack. Like, figure it out, Jack, or else just go back to mentoring. and Like, you had this internship in Jacksonville. You had the, whatever the hell that was. Like, he's being exposed as a fraud right now. Like, he's being exposed well, as a fraud fairness, at the next level. I don't know. Don't give me no in fairness with Jack. Well, in fairness, I don't want to hear it. We haven't seen what's going to happen in the next, let's see, uh, nine days or so. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm saying if. I'm saying if he does not if, make yes, a trade, he should yes. never work in football again. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree You should with that. never work in football again if you're going to make a trade. And that's not going to happen. And, it, and by the way, it's not like this is it's not like what Landry has laid out as the requirement for Easterby here this week is a hard situation. If some team calls you and says, yeah, best we can do is a fourth round pick for J.J. Watt. Don't make the trade. Exactly. Don't make the trade. You can find a team. There are 31 other teams. Yes. OK, that would probably be interested in something off of your team in some level of value. And even adding something small would be a net positive. I was listening. You know, Jonathan Vilma pointed it out. Uh the Packers had some seventh rounder make a big tackle in the open field. And I was like, man, a rookie contributing? That's crazy. <laughs> not, a seventh, a, not a rookie's year, Cody. A seventh rounder? <laughs> wow, he seems like he knew exactly where he was supposed to be, and he made that play. And the Texans have a, a second rounder that is just MIA, a third rounder that can't get on the field, a fourth rounder inactive. that's inactive, <laughs> uh, another fourth rounder that's inactive today. John Reed was inactive today. And a fifth rounder who's been hurt the whole year. And maybe he comes back. And again, yes. that's another reason to trade Kenny Stills is because when that guy gets see back, you want to see Coulter what the has. fifth rounder. Yeah, Coulter has. So it's not hard what Landry has laid out for Jack Easterby. Like, it's not difficult to call 
31 other teams and find out if they want something off this roster. Well, let me just tell you, Coulter has nothing. Like, I don't even know why that's a thing. I, I want to see what QB So is that, it's that bad already? My, well, I that's, just, well, I just want to see I want to see a guy who has two 12-catch games and Kiki QT. That, I agree. That, that's what I want to well, see. I, and, I don't need to see anything from Isaiah Coulter. Like, I honestly don't. Like, that, that's like that's a sixth-round pick. That's another thing that jumped off the page to me is I feel like they've blown this draft class. There wasn't – they didn't have a – the the likelihood it was going to be successful was pretty low, but there's almost zero success to point to from an entire draft class. And this could go down as one of the worst draft classes in the history of this franchise. And they've had some stinkers. And here's my question. Why? Like like even – They can't get on the field, No, no, no. But that's not what I'm asking. I'm aware they can't get on the field. And I like the draft when when, when it happens. When the draft was made, when the picks were made, people who I – When the picks were made – People who I respect were like, yeah, these Blacklock, Grenard, these look like yeah, solid picks. I had no problem I, I'm, with I'm asking it. why. No I'm it. asking why. They, I, I understand. That, yes. That, yeah. I'm not denying they, your facts. Then they have. Then they misevaluated the talent, and they listened to the wrong people in the draft picks. They also drafted. Look, I'm not saying that fourth round picks should be playing for you. Yeah. But on this team. Drafting a backup, backup, backup offensive tackle with well, that, a fourth round that pick. That never made Charlie Let Heck. Let me finish. Let me yes. finish. I went through and looked today. I was like, let me yes. just take a gander. This guy's <laughs> going to be inactive again. Let me take a gander and see. The Steelers have a starting offensive guard that went four or five picks after Charlie Heck. So do the Ravens. And I'm just sitting here thinking, okay. You knew you had Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard. You knew Roderick Johnson played decent last year when Titus Howard was out. You did not need a swing tackle. Why are you drafting a tackle when the guards that you have traded are, up for him? Yeah, what what are you well, doing? Well, that the, the pick never—that's the one pick that never made any sense because if you were looking at what people were saying, they were like, "Hey, he's raw and he plays with bad leverage, but he might be something." I'm like. Hold on, this guy. This guy's the son of an offensive line coach. It's not like this guy was was basically picked up off the street like Michael Orr in that movie. Like, <laughs> like this is a guy whose dad is an NFL offensive line coach and he has bad technique. How is that possible? Dude, How had, do you not play with leverage had, if your dad Mac, coaches on the Mac, offensive line? We had Mac Brown on the Monday after Charlie Hicks yes, got drafted. He yes. couldn't even sell him. <laughs> Matt Brown, Matt Brown could sell him. ice to an Eskimo. He could not even sell Charlie Heck as like an NFL guy. It, and that 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 was. That was telling. It, it's it, it's it's been a very poorly run organization the last two years. Very and, poor. I mean, you got a defensive lineman who specifically can play defensive tackle or defensive end, and he can't get on the field on a regular basis. You got an outside linebacker that can't get on the field when Brennan Scarlett and the ghost of Whitney Merciless are in front of him on the depth chart. Yeah, somebody's got to ask Romeo and Weaver more about this because I, I I don't know if they're going to be willing to give up anything. But uh, and, and this is this is all another reason why. They so desperately need picks because right now, if you're a competent GM, you have to at least consider the possibility that maybe the 2020 draft class is not going to provide you much, giving you even more incentive to add some picks in 2021 and 2022. And I keep going back to this. What is hard about making these kind of trades? Like, I truly, like, you and I could have made the Laramie Tunsil deal. We could have made nah, the Jalen Ramsey trade. I wouldn't trade. have thrown in the second for no, Stills. I, I, no, I wouldn't I, have thrown in the second I for Stills. I agree, but I'm saying that, like, a, a normal I human being. I could have done a better version of it. Fair enough. I promise you. Anyone could make a trade where you're, like, will, where you're basically like, hey, I'm going to give you two ones for a really good young player. Then it just depends on what the other team wants to give up on, not give up, but, like, trade that player or not. 
when I look at selling off assets, what is hard about trading J.J. Watt? You call up all 31 teams. You see what the highest bidder is. You've got some comps already. Ngakwe just went from Minnesota to Baltimore for a third-round pick and a conditional fifth-round pick. So you start with asking for a one. Nobody gives you a one. Then you see what you can get. And if the highest you can get is like a four or five, okay, don't make the deal. See what happens in the offseason. I don't think this is hard. Now, I don't think it's hard. I'm going to ask what? you this because, Stutes, I know you know this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to cut off my man Stutes, but – I know, I, I know Stutes has. You've been to a flea market. Oh, yeah. You've been to a market. You haven't. Have you I, I, I've been to a market. Okay. You know how a lot of times at the market, you know who you can barter with? Yes. And you know who you can talk down? Yeah. The Texans almost have this <laughs> reputation now yeah. of the guys that you can like talk down. So that's the other that's the other thing that comes into play when it comes to making trades. Like you know, you can rip them off. Like you you know that they make bad trades, so they have that reputation. You have Jack Easterby now, who doesn't know anything about football. He doesn't know how to make trades. He doesn't know much about anything. And you have a team that's given up a third round pick for Duke Johnson. They've given up a third round pick for Gary and Conley. You look at the the Ravens. They just got Ngakwe for a third and a fifth. They got Calais Campbell for a fifth. Like it's, they got it's Marcus Peters for a fifth and a backup linebacker. That's the that that's the whole that that's the whole difference now is that I don't know if the Texans can actually get good value cuz there's such a joke around the league. There's such a joke to other GMs to where like they're almost looked at as like well, you know, th- this would be the value, but God, we're not going to we're, we're not going to like actually try to give good value to the Texans because they're such a joke that, that that's what they've become. Oh, by the way, you paid half a clowny salary uh, and, <laughs> and, and took on all of David Johnson's. Yeah, the, 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 and all the moves that you've talked about, the, the third round picks going out for guys that don't play, yep. can't get on the field, uh, the heavy investment in Laramie Tunsil. Jack Easterby's here for all of this. So this is this is his point of reference for how a front office runs when he's in the room. Because I don't anticipate for any moment that Bill Belichick, when he was deciding the future of the Patriots, had Jack Easterby in the room. Now, Bill O'Brien clearly had Jack Easterby in the room as he was deciding the future of the Houston yes. Texans. And by the way, when you look at some of these selections that get moved – Look at some of the players that have ended up being drafted with, like, the Khalil Mack picks, for instance. Okay, a lot of times you want to get the player when the player is that good. Would you rather have most teams in the league, DeAndre Hopkins or what the Texans got? Well, obviously you'd rather have Hopkins. These middle round things, you want to be getting the picks usually. The thirds, the fourths, the fifths, the sixth. A lot of times you want to be getting the picks. Do you think the Browns wanted to keep Duke Johnson or do you think they wanted the third round pick? Agreed. Do you think the Raiders wanted Gary Conley on their team or do you think they wanted the third round pick? Jack Easterby should want the pick for whatever Kenny Stills could go for, for whatever insert player on the defense could go for. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, and uh, the, other, the other part I'll make is this. They had a weird series of press conferences. I think it was last Tuesday or Wednesday where, like, Deshaun was saying that people aren't going to get Nobody's traded. traded. Yeah, and, and to this me, like, Wednesday. listen, with all due respect to Deshaun, I, I'm fine with Deshaun and his camp having a say in the coach or the GM, whatever they think. Like, if I'm Cal, I'll take it into consideration. You can't have Deshaun offering – like, I, I don't care what your stature is. I think it's out is. of context. I think okay. it's out of context. I, 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 don't, the, I don't think Deshaun's the best messenger for the team. Well, yeah. Well, I, I just – to me, that, that's, about, that's about the best interest of the organization. It's not up to the players who gets traded. Like, the record is the record right now, and the reality is the best interest of the team right now are, tr- are selling off players for as much as you can get from a draft pick standpoint. I'm, I'm fine if you wanted to have – as a member of the Houston Texans, you wanted to have that thought process on Wednesday. 
on Thursday. Romeo was asked about it again, I believe, on Friday. Yeah. Like, if you want to have that thought process last week, that's fine. Not anymore. But after the Packers game, you're, the, the information available to you has changed, and that thought process has to change. And if someone calls and has a solid offer for insert player here, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen on anything on this Texans team with the exception of probably Deshaun. I'm willing to listen. Well, I'm not. The, the, there are three guys I would not trade Watson, Tunsil, and Howard. Those are my three. I, I would trade Tunsil. I would not. For two firsts, I would. If, if, you can get, if you can just redo the deal and you can get two firsts for Tunsil, then I would do that easily. I, I, wouldn't, do it this, I wouldn't do it at this point because now I'm banking on trying to get players as good as him. And, and to went, make it they clear, they won eleven games without him. I mean, it's not like it's no. Not like, I, I get that. Yes, but if if it were me, I would say I I am all in with my so quarterback. Trade, my two you, tackles. Would, you wouldn't trade Tunsil for two firsts. And not I don't right think now, anyone would make that trade. I would not do it right now. No. Okay. Yeah. Right. Could be wrong about that. Like, and, and I want to make it clear. I would not have made the original Tunsil deal to begin with, which might make me a hypocrite. But at this point, I feel like you know what. I'm in with Tunstall. I've got my left tackle moving forward. I'm going to hire a coach. And I'm going to move forward with okay. these tackles I mean, in, and this quarterback. Why not see if the guy at right tackle that you originally drafted to maybe hopefully play left tackle can play left tackle if you can get a Tunstall deal good done? Yeah, that was the original plan. The original yeah. plan was Titus Howard to be the left tackle. I guess. That, that seemed like kind of a stretch. He seems like a fine player. After being high, I was highly critical that I thought there were more worthy players of, than Titus Howard, and he has outplayed a lot of those guys. Some of those guys haven't been able to get on the field, yes. and he's been fine at right tackle, and he's gotten better from week one to where he is now. Are you guys kind of troubled that <laughs> the interior of this offensive line is as bad as it's it a, is? I, like, I, I'm Max glad Sharp, you brought that Max up. Matt Sharping not being able to start over Senio Calamente Big is issue. really really crazy for me. I'm glad you brought that up because – I mean, they just the, – the, the first Duke Johnson carry, all three of them were in his lap. Yes. He went sideways because he, if he went forward, On that third he, he was going to be Nick Martin's backpack. Yes. Like, it was just – the, the interior of the <laughs> offensive line was atrocious you got to cut Nick Martin today. after this year. Uh, you save six mil, you have to. And, and maybe he can restructure. Maybe I consider it. You have to. Like, you, ha you have to clear up as much well, How about some competition for the guy? And the guy came in as an unquestioned starter. He was the fifth best – a center in the AFC South in the team division. I, I, I was told. I was told by Wade Smith, and I was told by others that Zach Fulton was better at center than him uh, as recent as last. Now last that's training camp. That's interesting. I, I was told that Zach Fulton was better at snapping the ball and being a center than Nick Martin. And by the way, you have the issues that you have in the middle of this offensive line potentially because the guy that was brought in as the offensive line coach, Dude, by that Bill O'Brien, go. that's that's got to <laughs> stop. Well, Mike, well that, Mike, that, Mike Devlin, that we can all agree with. Mike yes. Devlin valued. <laughs> Other players better than the guys that were in house that were successful in Ben Jones and Brandon. Brooks. I honestly think I I, I think uh, that of all the moves that can be made, and I'm talking about like Easterby trades and all this type of stuff. Like I think I, I think firing Mike Devlin would be like a, a a positive message to the fan base because that's Bill O'Brien's guy. The offensive line is underachieved. It's been an issue. You use assets and it's still there. I think firing Mike Devlin would be beneficial for the team and I think firing Mike Devlin would actually be a move that would actually like speak some sort of volumes to Texans fans he's got to go yeah I, I can't argue with that this was not a good day for the offensive line I mean it's just it, it is really puzzling even as ineffective as David Johnson is that they're so inept at running the football like you would figure that they would like by accident have a couple of nice runs but it's just like it's it's nothing it's it's really it's truly incredible but I, I'm not going to disagree with that you know I remember when Devlin was the offensive line coach for the Jets. I think he had a decent reputation. He has not done a good enough job here, so I cannot disagree with he you on that. He has not. He's, he's been I, terrible. This
this is one of those situations too that I I would love to see the veteran wide receivers who've played elsewhere and Randall Cobb and uh, Brandon Cooks. I'd love for them to go to Tim Kelly's office and try to teach him something. Try try to tell him, look, we can't keep running the football if we're not going to get better results. You got to throw the ball more. Let's do some short passing game. David Johnson looked fine on a screen or two. I mean, they had a big screen called back got a touchdown. because of a penalty. Yeah. He had a touchdown on another play. It, it just seems like they're they're not content to try that early. They want to wait till they're behind to try something like that. It's just it is I I got to imagine that Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks who have played with effective running games in their career <laughs> After looking at Bill O'Brien and saying this guy don't know what he's doing, a couple weeks in they got to look back and be like, "Oh man, Tim Kelly really sent in another run, huh?" Okay, well let me go play patty cake with this DB while David Johnson gets tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's ridiculous. It's 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 really it's really ridiculous to David Johnson. Like the the, the <laughs> Duke Johnson last year had the least amount of receptions in his career. Yes, like the least amount of receptions in his career. And all of a sudden, David Johnson's not even like used as a uh, like as a receiver at all. Uh, can I can I throw some rapid fire at y'all? I, I know I'm throwing kind of yes. a curveball, but I I posted this on uh, the uh, Loophole Facebook page. I'll start with Mike, and then Stuch, you answer these two. Uh, this is from Arnetso. He says, how does Mike feel about his unbearable meltdown after <laughs> much time has passed? Uh, I, I regret it because I, I lost my cool, which has happened like two or three times in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I disagree with Seth's opinion that morning about the Osuna deal, but I should not have flown off the handle. All right. Bradley wants to know from you, Stutes, can we get a second rounder and a starter for what? Well, on this defense, I don't, I don't. I think there's a lot of guys around the league that could probably start for them and, and be a key contributor. Second rounder and a starter depends on what kind of second rounder you want to get. Like I, I don't know who's really going to throw you a second round pick at the top of the draft in the second round. I mean, maybe maybe some picks have been moved around and switched around, and you could do something like that. If a better team has um, one of those, you know, if yeah. a better team has one of those top of the first round or scheduled to be top of the first round picks, but I, I you know, early second round pick. Probably not late second round pick and another player to at least be in the building and you know see if he can be a contributor in in 2021 and beyond. I'm fine with it. I think they can get that. Yeah. Robert A. Tellis wants to know Mike's choice for GM hashtag fair. My choice for GM. Uh, hmm. Who is Brian my Gain. No, it wouldn't be Brian Gain. Uh, I would just be fine with any of the any of the up and coming guys around the NFL. I know it's probably a lame answer, but to me, like, I if I look at their resume and I and I like it, I, I would take. I, I would like to. Be, I would be interested in someone from Baltimore if they have someone who's kind of of that caliber. Clay wants uh, Clay Gainey wants old school Swisher House freestyles. I can give you that. I'm just not going to do it on this podcast, but I can definitely give you that 100. <laughs> I'm I'm 100 capable of that. Uh, Sam Raj wants to know, Stutes, how soon can David Johnson be cut? You want to send a message? I, I, today? I, I thought Landry was being unrealistic last week when he talked about it. It it should be a realistic conversation that David Johnson should not be or, – or just simply say, just have Romeo show up uh, next Monday because it's not going to be, you know, be this Monday, but next Monday. Have Romeo show up next Monday and say the, the running back competition is wide open and, and we may have a new starting running back this week. But getting rid of him, I, I'm in favor of it because – this guy is not going to contribute to the Houston Texans in 2021. You need to find out if there's no someone doubt. else on the roster that can contribute to the Houston doubt Texans he's not. in 2021. I mean, and that was why I wanted them to draft a running back in the second round. And it wasn't about this year. It was about next year. Like It, it was like a chess move to where I felt like running back was going to be one of the biggest needs of this offseason, regardless of what happened. 
And that's why that's why I wanted him to uh, to make that make that pick, Melts. This uh, dude Chris wants Meltzer to uh, freestyle rap in Russian. Don't do that. That will definitely Mike, not happen. But can you can you just like uh, give a criticism of the Texans in Russian at least, Mike? Это плохое команда сейчас. What does that mean? It's a bad team right now. Uh, Clay Clay says that he wants Tim Kelly to be fired. Uh, do you think that's fair, Stutes? I, I thought about this because someone else texted me and asked me the same thing, and then I saw his, his question on Twitter. Is there anybody else in the offensive staff that could actually call the plays? Like the, the overall ability of the offensive staff is so limited and the resumes are so overall unimpressive that there is probably not a human being that could effectively call the plays for this team if they get rid of Tim Kelly. So you almost have to, from a operational standpoint have Tim Kelly still be on this team yeah. for the remainder of 2020 because I don't know if anybody else could take the headset and actually get the plays into Deshaun Watson. Maybe TJ Yates because he's a quarterback. I don't even know what Carl Smith's role exactly is. I, I disagree with the initial premise. Dude, Listen, he's, I, basically, he's basically Monty Kiffin when he was with the Cowboys. He's basically coaching in a broom closet. Yeah, I, I think that – listen, I, I think what it is for this season is this is Tim Kelly's opportunity to call plays and, and see what happens. And, and because you don't have a first or second round pick, whether Kelly is good, awful, mediocre, or below average, it doesn't really affect all that much. Could so, I, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was basically finished there. So, dude, I keep interrupting melts. Um, could I interest you all in some digging that I did? Yes. Yeah. So absolutely. I talked to someone who knows Andy Reid very well. I talked to someone who knows. Uh, he, he's he, he's been around in the NFL, and this is kind of some stuff that might actually impact like the Texans and the and the future and moving forward. Uh, and, and I talked to him on the phone yesterday for probably like 45 minutes. And he told me that I just asked him about the enemy. Yep. Cause I'm trying to dig on the enemy. Cause he knows Andy I'm trying to figure it out. Andy Reed calls the place. Eric B enemy does not call the place. So all this talk about like Eric B enemy, like he's doing that, like in certain situations, Andy might let him grab the play sheet, but if you think that Eric B. is coming here and he's the guy that's orchestrating these offense, the screens, all that type of stuff, you're mistaken because Andy Reid 100% calls the plays. Well, I have a follow-up to that, to that point. My follow-up question is, how does Eric B. role in Kansas City compare to the role that Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson had? That I don't know. Yeah. I just know my, that Andy Reid's calling these plays. My follow-up to your follow-up is, I don't care because they had to help Alex Smith succeed, and he has to help the best quarterback in football succeed. That's a good follow. It's a right fair there, point. Since. Yeah, uh, Lincoln Riley apparently, like his X's and O's, uh, when I was talking to this guy, are like next level. Like so, so Lincoln Riley, like I've been critical of him because I don't feel like he's actually developed a quarterback, and I feel like he's being handed a quarterback to him. But he says that Lincoln Riley, if you're talking about him as like a Texans coach, he says that. Lincoln Riley is like the god of uh, of X's and O's, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, John Dorsey, because I know for a fact John Dorsey reached out to the Texans about the GM job. Hey, buddy and, boy. And they told him to fuck <laughs> off. Really? They told him to fuck off, basically. Uh, uh, that's what interesting. They told. This, I, is, this is what this guy told me about John Dorsey. Yeah. Because you got to look at these teams. you got to yeah. look at the NFL. Yeah. John Dorsey, say what you want. Yeah. He built the Browns, and he built the Chiefs. Yes. He built two very good teams in the NFL right now. Yeah. This is what he told me about John Dorsey. John Dorsey will rub people the wrong way, and John Dorsey will eventually like get extra stubborn. But this is the best quote I've heard in a while from the dude. 
if you give him a case of Dos Equis, he's going to have the best draft possible. You just let you just. He said you give him a case of Dos Equis and just let him draft. He's going to have the best draft you can have. Okay. Listen, I, I, I don't have any questions about John Dorsey, the talent evaluator. I think for their interest, he, uh, he brings in too many questionable character types for what they, for what they like. I, I would say that. I don't know if it's a, it's a good fit organizationally. He also said that uh, Jay Glazer got Mike McCarthy the job in Dallas. That was it. <laughs> it, was, it was literally Jay Glazer's stories about the, uh, the fake news, uh, the athletic and pro football focus. What about uh, the, the Peter King profile oh, yeah. last when, week? When Peter King carried Mike McCarthy's water yeah. both ways Listen, up and down the mountain. Peter King absolutely deserves blame for the Cowboys being this bad. And if he tells you otherwise, he's wrong. Sorry, he has a role in that too. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even You're know where the hell we were. <laughs> so, so would, would just based on some of the things Landry told us, yes, would you guess or would your best estimation be that the Texans are looking for a first-time general manager as opposed to a uh, repeat general manager? I'll lean towards yes because usually the guys new is more exciting. New is more exciting, and you can pick apart guys who have been there and done that like let's say i'm just gonna throw out some random names like like jerry reese who has won i think two super bowls with the giants but then things slid downhill he got fired thomas Thomas dimitro yeah like i would take thomas dimitro as my gm but it may not be as exciting because people will say well look at what he did in atlanta and look at like the blown leads and and all this kind of stuff i think dimitrov is pretty good at what he does but my answer to your question is i think they will lean towards a first-time gm would a first-time GM then lean towards a first-time head coach as well? Do you believe? I think, I think I think New is exciting at the head coaching spot too. Yeah, I think New is I think New is exciting. I think they'll probably go with somebody. I'm saying is, that's right. Yeah, I'm Salah all day. Like that. That's my. I have a one-person list. It's Salah. That's what? it. How do you have a, only a one-person list it's already? It. I, it's it's it, it's so Sala, there's one guy. It's Salah and it's him bringing the. Uh, the run game or pass game coordinator here. Salah's my only guy. I don't I have, have anyone. I don't even want to talk to anyone else. I have a, I have a, I have a two man potential setup that I would be. I, you know, if they'd made this hire, I'd be thumbs up. I want them to hire, like maybe like Lincoln Riley. I don't care who the offensive guy is. Lincoln Riley, Joe Brady, yeah. one of these offensive guys, and then make Mike Zimmer the defensive coordinator because Zimmer's getting fired in Minnesota probably. No, he's not. He's just got an extension. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's going to be fired. Bad the rest they're of the in though. on a rebuild though. Well, it's not a rebuild. Well, if Mike right. Zimmer gets fired, then I want Mike Zimmer as the defensive coordinator. Not a rebuild. No, they're in on tanking, I should say. They're in on tanking. Let, well, me, let, 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 let me rephrase they that. They think they can fix yeah. that thing real yeah. fast. Listen, Zimmer's the man. Dude. I mean, Zimmer. But, if, but he's a 4 if, 3 guy. He's a 4 3 guy. If, if you can hire That's Mike fine, Zimmer. That's because if you trade JJ, you won't need to run a 3 4 anymore. Well, if you can hire Mike Zimmer as your DC, then I am, I am fine with that. Yes, I have no issue with that. And back to the Lincoln Riley point. Yeah, Lincoln Riley's the guy I'd hire. Like, that would provide a lot of excitement. And he's had some weird uh, losses. He Oklahoma. gave the in depth. The dude, the dude, the dude knows what he's doing. Yeah, like that. That to me, I would make that hire on the spot. No question. And he's he really young. To, he's successful. You don't have to worry about the quarterback getting here because exactly already here. Yes, he's got the quarterback. Which is the theme of his life. That is, yeah. Although I will say, I he blocked he, me on Twitter. I thought that was pretty rude. I thought he developed Jalen Hurts into a better quarterback. No, I didn't. I really didn't. And I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not someone who blo- brags about being blocked. But yeah. I, All right. I, I, I've, I've, I have one last question before we we finish today. By the end of 2020, will we believe the Houston Texans overall are in a worse situation than the Jacksonville Jaguars? Say it again. By the end of 2020, will we believe that the Houston Texans are in a worse overall situation than the Jacksonville Jaguars? You got to think about what their record's going to be. Is Jacksonville going to – 
I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have two first round picks. Are yep. they gonna be in position to draft Trevor Lawrence? Is Trevor Lawrence like? Do you think Trevor Lawrence is like some sort of game changer? Do they have young talent? No, if they I, if, I, I trust in Deshaun, so I'll say no. If they but don't I will get, say, if they don't get Lawrence, could they get another of these quarterbacks that might be good? Like Justin Fields. The BYU kid, Zach Wilson, he's been very nice so yeah, far. Yeah, he's been good. I, I don't know if he's a top five pick, but okay. Landry's would you, right you, there. You, you would have had that same look on your face if Jeez, your team dudes. had taken Josh Allen a few years ago. Look where the Bills are now. Look where the Bills are. Jeez. <laughs> Zach Wilson, like he's got a headband. He's <laughs> got a headband. Uh, I think it depends a lot on where Jacksonville is positioned in the draft. Like, if Jacksonville had the number one pick, then I would take Jacksonville's future over Houston's. If they have, let's say, the number three or four pick, then I'll take Houston. That's, that's where I'm at, yeah. Right. That's where I'm at. But it's something to monitor because the Jaguars are a team that's going to be you know, in competition for this number one pick, and it's not. Uh, by the way, they might be in competition for a GM and a head coach, too. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that's almost a lock. They're going to fire Moreau. Think about fire these Caldwell. different – Like, you're, this yes. is going to be a – very busy offseason for coach and front office movement. And there's going to be a lot of teams, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Houston, maybe Minnesota, although I agree with Landry. If, if, they, if they're if they all in on the, you know, the, well, the Jets are looking for a head coach, certainly not a front office guy. They seem to like Joe Douglas there. There's going to be a lot of movement. And, again, throughout the rest of 2020, you got to prove that you are a little bit better than some of these other situations. And that's that rests on, you know, four and making sure Deshaun Watson looks good. Are these next nine games going to be fun? What are these next nine games going to be like? I mean, they, considering we trades, almost didn't have cool. football, considering we almost didn't have football, uh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I'll take these no, nine games. If you told me no season or this season, yeah. I'll take this season. I definitely agree with that. Yes. Hey, can I, can I say something before we get out of here? Are we, are we done with Texans? We're good? We're Go good. for it. We're good? Okay. We're good. Yeah. Let me just say this, dude. I'm, I'm just going to say this real quick. Tom Herman's one of the biggest slime balls I've ever known <laughs> in my entire life. And the fact that he blocks me from talking about UT football after losses is not a coincidence. It's embarrassing. It's pathetic. I've talked to people from Ohio State. I've talked to boosters from UT that are messaging me. You, he, he is one of the biggest scumbag, low-life jerks that has ever coached football. And I'm not saying that he didn't deserve the job at UT. He absolutely deserved it. He earned it, but he got lazy. He got entitled. He got a false entitlement when it happened. And now all of a sudden, he's awful. He is one of the biggest scumbags ever. And it disgusts me that I have to sit there and watch him run the sidelines uh, watching the team, the, the the only team that I have an intense rooting interest for. Tom Herman, you're a scumbag. You of age people were right. You're a you're, That's all I got, man. No, I got nothing else to say. Michael, congratulations on Michigan competing in the Big Ten this year. They look good last night. We will see what happens uh, next week. But off to a good start. Off to a good start. And so is our podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>